Amen. I want to talk to you about our series, And They Cried to the Lord. We've talked about coming out of dark places. We've come, uh, talked about coming uh, through those diseased places. And today we're going to come, uh, talk about going through places of disaster. What do we do when disaster strikes? And uh, today, talking about a shipwrecked life... And uh, life has ups and downs, and sometimes, how many people know there's more downs than up? And sometimes that's the way it goes. Uh, And maybe today you're at your wit's end on things. And Christianity Today uh, gave an article uh, in 2009 about the Depression, you know, after the the Great Recession we had uh, in our economy and still are recuperating from. Uh, They wrote about this Depression epidemic in America and just really kind of nailed it on where we are at 21st century life. And it said something along these lines. It said, there's a constant pressure of negotiating uh, increasingly complex and sometimes harsh social realities in America today. Uh, But on the other side, despite all of that, we are a generation that is healthier. Uh, On the whole, we're safer, we're richer, we're more educated than we've ever been. Yet, we have millions of Americans try to escape their lives with substance abuse, sexual promiscuity, adultery, pornography, theft, and more. In fact, almost 15% of Americans at some time will struggle with alcoholism, despite being, as a whole, our families better off. Instead, there's also this global fear. There's a global fear of catastrophe due to terrorism. We've got the global fear of a financial collapse or natural disasters are increasing. Some people go so far to one side, they become a prepper. And yet on the other side, we have people indulging in every type of desire, just oblivious to what's going on around them, focusing on every instantly gratifying thing. And moreover, if you just look at the everyday American family, uh, nobody's outside in the yard anymore. No one's having those family game nights. And very few people are even having friends over uh, like we all used to do. Why? Well, we're consumed with work and social media and entertainment, and, and overall, we just never rest. We're a go-go-go society, and so many people are looking back, and they're longing for those Mayberry kind of days. But nevertheless, as a society, we're increasingly depressed and lonely, and the question today is, where is our hope, and what is our faith in? Maybe today, you in life, and wherever you are, you are looking for things to be better. You had dreams and goals, ambitions. You thought about this season in your life, and it's like reality just came in and shipwrecked uh, what you were going through. It's just that everything came to a crashing head, and the physical circumstances around you are causing uh, mental and emotional, even spiritual turmoil. It's like your whole life is rocking uh, back and forth. And there's a good news, though. It's Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul said that God is a God of hope who can fill you with joy. Everybody say joy. And peace. Everybody say peace. How? It's believing on Jesus. And it's through believing on Jesus, he says, you would abound in hope. And in fact, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how you'd be abounding in hope. So what if I told you today that God could make you abound in hope through believing on the name of Jesus Christ, that you would have peace 
and joy simply by trusting Him, by lifting Him higher, and through trusting Him and lifting Him higher than your circumstances, you could actually have tangible peace and tangible joy abounding by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many people believe the Word of God is true? And say, that's a promise I'd like to have. Amen? And so look with me in Psalms 107. Psalms 107. And if there's anything I want you to get today, it's these, these three words. And I want you to tell your neighbor, look at your neighbor and say, lift up Jesus. Turn to your other neighbor and say, lift up Jesus. Lift up Jesus. Psalms 107 as we've gone through it, it kind of lists out these D's. Uh, the, the first one they encountered was the, the dark places and the diseased places. Now we're in the places of disaster. This is all life problems. And what I want you to look at as we read this together, I want you to feel the waves in the room, okay? This is a really cool literary part of, uh, of Psalms 107. Uh, in Psalms 107, verse 23 through 32, now watch how... Uh, the author does this. And just, I kind of underlined it on our screen, but I'll kind of emphasize it to help you understand. You want you to feel the rocking of the boat. Are you ready? Okay, Psalms 107, verse 23. If you're there, somebody say amen. All right. It says, Those who go down into the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they've seen the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He spoke and He Raised up. See that? It went down, and now he's raised up. Now he spoke, and he raised up a stormy wind, which, what? Lifted up the waves of the sea. And it says they rose up to the heavens. So threefold, man, it went up, and it went up, and it up. And guess what happens to you and me? And it says what? They went down into the depths. And in fact, their soul even went further down, melted away in their misery. And it says they reeled, they staggered. That's that, that rocking of the boat. They reeled, they staggered like a drunken man, and they were at their wits end. They were as low as they could go. Right? You see that? So it went up, and life went up, and life went up. Bad things kept happening, and then they went down, and then they went down, and they went down, and they're shaking back and forth at their wits' end. It says, then they cried to the Lord. They lifted up a cry. See how that goes back up? They lifted a cry to the Lord in their trouble. He brought them out of their distress. He caused the storm to be still. Everybody say still. So that the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the Son of Man. Let them extol or lift him up in the congregation and the people and praise him or lift him up in the seat of the elders. You see how he does that? He's saying that, man, you, were, you had a plan, things were going, and yet then all of a sudden things were lifted up against you. You were brought down. You were shaken back and forth. But when you lifted up Jesus, then he came, made everything still. So now what's your response? Now lift him back up again. Isn't that awesome? That's how life goes, right? And he says the first part, I'm just going to break this down with us this morning and follow through this because he says, you were looking at great waters who do business on great waters. That's how it is in life sometimes. God, I have a plan. 
And everybody, and everybody knows God laughs, right? God, I have a plan. I come out of, of high school. I go to college. I've got this idea. I've got this dream. I've got this ambition. I find out who I'm going to marry. I focus on getting a job, and I focus on my career, and I want to build my little kingdom on earth. And then I, I get married. I have some kids, and then I want to build up my retirement. We've got these vacation plans and these business plans and all this stuff. And it looks like, man, there's a new horizon. That There's a great water. There's a place of great opportunity. And I look out and say, that's where I want to go in life. That looks good. That's my plan. That's my goal. That's my dream. My dream is just to have my spouse and be on the end of our front porch one day and drink our sweet tea and sit on our rockers and watch the sunset and our kids are good and everybody's healthy and fine and happy. We've got a lot of good retirement saved up and we can go to Paris when we want to. How many people think that's what my dream is, right? That's, that's man, that doesn't sound good. Good old southern sweet tea on the porch and the dog sitting there and you know, the, you hear the chickens in the background and man, that's, that's the dream, right? How many people know sometimes reality just comes like a wave? It just smacks you in the face. And you had all these great expectations and doing business, and, and I was minding my own business, God. I was headed my own direction, and then disaster strikes. Man, it's a reality check. And in that moment, something comes against you, and you just realize how small you really are. You realize that, man, I am in the midst of a big sea, and this wave is bigger than me. This situation is bigger than me. And that wave could be a wave of divorce. It could be a wave of death or job loss. It could be a bad report from the doctor. It could be missed opportunities in life. But it's any kind of disaster. It's a larger than life kind of problem. And what the psalmist is saying here is basically, hey, I shot high, but the waves were higher. And the message, I like what uh, the message says. It says this, it says, things are looking up, but then the bottom dropped out, and you don't even know which end is up. And you come to your wit's end. When it says wit's end there, it basically is meaning they came to the end of their knowledge and power. It's coming to a situation that says, God, I don't have the finances to fix this. God, I don't have the knowledge or the know-how to fix this. Lord, I can't solve this problem. And you know, God has a way of bringing us to the end of ourselves. And life has a way of doing that too. To realize, man, I had all these hopes and dreams and I thought I'd be further along than this right now. And this is not how I plan my life to go. And God, I'm realizing, man, I ain't got it all together. And Lord, I don't have a way to get back to even the harbor I wanted to get to, much less to try to get to where I want to go. And Lord, I'm just staggering. It says that they were reeling back and forth. They were overcome, rocking back and forth like a drunken person, meaning that it had, it said that it, uh, they staggered, it shook them. Uh, and in a sense, it's this way. It's saying that life's whole, th- everything about your life had gone to the core. You were shaken to the core that it was a mental thing. It was a physical thing, but then it became a spiritual thing. How many people know that that's connected? Sometimes when you lose your job, sometimes you lose your faith. When you have a physical diagnosis of cancer, it's real easy to have a spiritual diagnosis of cancer as well. Aren't you, do you know, how many people know that's true? Physical things, we're a whole one kind of person. And we're like, well, I thought that person had more faith than that. Well, just wait till you go through that problem and see what happens because we're connected. You can't... Uh, All of it ties together, our mental, our emotional, our physical, our spiritual. And it says they were shaken to the core. They were at their wits in, reeling back and forth. 
And as they melted away, it's literally saying that their life was as dead. It was as lifeless that they just lost all hope that I could ever get out of these waves. It's like that video we just watched, a wave upon wave. It's just like, okay, I think I can make it. Nope, can't make it. Then another, oh, let's try again. Oh, another wave happens. And it's just, I can never break through that wave. How many people know what I'm talking about? You've been in a life situation like that before. It's like, I can't break through this hopelessness, this depression, this despair, this addiction, this loneliness, this grief, whatever it is. It feels like I I take a step forward, it crashes me back. And I take a step forward and it crashes me back. And in that sloshing back and forth, it's like, I'm just ready to give up. Lord, just take me home because I, I don't know what to do anymore. And sometimes that's the best place to be. That's the best place to be. Why? Because you said, God, I had plans. What happened? Look at this next slide. Why, God? Was it because of my issues? Well, that's the first place we want to check ourselves. Why am I here? Why did this happen to me? That's not a bad question to ask. Moses asked it. Gideon asked it. Why, why, does, it, why does this happen to me? Number one, think about the life of Jonah. Think about the life of Jonah. Sometimes we're in a storm like Jonah, and it's because we've been running from the Lord. The Bible says that Jonah lifted himself up, or he rose himself up, and he fled the presence of the Lord, and he went down into a ship and down to go on the waters to get away from God. But God hurled a storm at Jonah. Why? To get a hold of him, to bring him back to himself, to, to uh, speak to him in his life. And the first thing we want to ask ourselves is this. Maybe you're in a storm today. Maybe the waves are crashing. You say, God, is everything okay with me and you? Maybe I'm running from something you spoke to me about. God, have I been reading your word? Have I been reading scripture? Have I been studying uh, the Bible? Have I been listening to your Holy Spirit? Because sometimes, yes, it is number one. It's me and God. I've got to figure something out. And God is using this situation to get a hold of you to bring you back to a place that he's called you to go. And that's number one. So we want to check that. Number two is this. Sometimes it's because of other people. Sometimes it's because of other people. In Acts 27, the Apostle Paul finds himself, he's in the will of God, he's going to Rome, he's in prison, he's in chains, but he's in God's will, and he's going there, he's going to testify before Caesar about the gospel. And he knows he's in the will of the Lord, but he's on this journey, and it's on a boat, this ship. And in fact, uh, this crew and the soldiers are trying to make way, and they're trying to leave and get back to Rome in the bad season, in hurricane weather, in stormy weather. So they're going out in bad season, and then they're trying to make it faster than they normally do. And then Paul says, hey, it's not only just common sense that we shouldn't be sailing right now, but the Lord gave me this prophetic word, we're going to have a shipwreck. And they didn't listen to Paul, and guess what happens? They find themselves... uh, in a, in a moment of a large storm, desperate, the Bible says there was no light for many days. They were violently tossing. They ended up throwing car, uh, cargo overboard just to stay afloat. And it had been a long time without sleep or without food, Acts 27. They were desperate. And it was not Paul's fault. It was somebody else's. You ever been in a situation because of someone else's ambition? Maybe you're, you're in a problem because they, uh, they were ambition and you had an accident. Or maybe uh, you're, you're in that position you're in because of their ignorance and now an incident has happened. In that moment, what do you do? 
you get mad at them? Do you get mad at God? Do you start yelling at them? Do you lose your hope? Do you lose your peace? Do you lose your, your, your salvation? Do you lose your, your witness and say, oh, I can't believe you people. I wish you guys are all, you know, you guys are all idiots and I don't care about you anymore and blah, blah, blah. And if you would have just listened, blah. you know, sometimes we're in storms because of other people. And it may not even be your fault today. But where's your faith? Where's your hope? Where's your peace? Maybe God's going to teach you something. We're going to come back to that in a second. The third one is this. Sometimes that storm is sent by God himself. I think about the two stories uh, in Scripture in Luke chapter 8. Sometimes, like the disciples, God has you right where he wants you. Two times, Jesus purposely sent the disciples in a storm. In Luke chapter 8, the Bible says that he would get in the boat with them and they would go across the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is five to eight miles across at its largest place. And these guys are expert fishermen. They probably knew when it was a good time again, but sometimes those storms in Galilee just show up unexpectedly, and they go. Jesus falls asleep, no doubt, as a son of God. He knows what's going to happen. He falls asleep, and the waves are coming against him. It says there was such a fierce wind that it overcame the boat, and they cried out to him and shook him up. Now, this is like a 20-foot dinghy now. I mean, it's not something he can go down underneath. He's in the front of the boat. He's getting sopping wet. He's asleep. On the front, I don't know how you can sleep in the middle of, in a 20-foot boat with the wind and waves rocking you back and forth, but Jesus is asleep at the front of the boat, and they go and they shake him and say, Master, Master, we're perishing. Basically, don't you care? Don't you know? And what does Jesus do? He gets up, he, with a word, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and it's all still. Peace, be still. And what does he do? He asks them this one question, where's your faith? Where's your faith? Don't you know we're in this storm? I'm, he's in the boat. Where's your faith? Another time it happens later on in their ministry in, in Matthew chapter 14. So they've already been through this once, but guess what happens this time? This time, Jesus says he, says he made them or he compelled them to go across the sea without him. He goes up to a mountain to pray. He sends them out in the middle of the night across the sea. He goes up, he's watching, he's praying. They leave, he's not with them. As they get halfway across in the middle of a pitch black sea with no lights, no, no, man, no running boards, no spotlights. I mean, it's dark. It's, and you can't even see the stars now. The storms come on, fierce wind. They're paddling forward. They can't make a single more foot forward. The wind's blowing them backwards. They're halfway across. And fear overcomes them. And they are crying out in fear that they're going to perish. And then the Bible says, suddenly they see a something walking across the water. They think it's a ghost. They cry out for fear they're going to die. But Peter's faith gets them to another point. And Peter cries out, it's Jesus, and he asks Jesus, Jesus beckoned me, commanded me to come to you on the waters. Jesus calls Peter, says, yes, come. Peter steps out, gets to Jesus, but as soon as he sees and overcome with fear and doubt again, he begins to sink. He cries out, Lord, save me. Jesus rescues him, brings him back to the boat. Immediately, as he steps into the boat, the Bible says the storm ceased, and they were instantaneously at the other side on the bank. Wouldn't that be a crazy ride? You're like, oh my gosh, how do we get here? As soon as he steps in, calm, then they're there at that horizon. And again, he asks them the same question. Why did you doubt? Or where is your faith? In these moments, we can look at this passage and understand some of our storms are sent by God, but their goal is His glory. 
And God could be asking you and I the same questions today, saying, I know you're in a storm, but where's your faith? I know you're in the midst of of a hurricane and the waves of life. I know that you're experiencing disaster, but why are you doubting? There's a purpose in this. God, is it me? Lord, is it other people? Is it God's will? You know, those are all great questions to process and go through, but at the end of the day, Jesus is going to ask you the same question. Where is your faith? Or what is your faith in? Is your faith in the plans I had to go out on those great waters and have a career and have a retirement and be with the person I love and have the kids I thought were perfect and, and, and invest my life into these things and sit back and relax and coast all in to prosperity and peace and calm? But maybe God is saying to you, hey, I know you're in a storm and maybe I sent it. Maybe it's your fault. Maybe it's somebody else's fault. But no matter the, the process, the outcome is the same question. Where is your faith? What's your faith in? What's the purpose? Is it trusting in all the things I long for and hope for and in my plans? But maybe one author says this, uh, they say that God's greatest gifts to us are often disguised. They're wrapped in problems, trials, and sufferings. As if that there was a present there and it was a gift for you under the Christmas tree, but the wrapping paper to get to that prize, to get to the present, might just be in problems and trials and sufferings for the glory of God. So how do you cry out, man, when, when disaster strikes? How do you cry out in the midst of a storm? Where is that cry coming from? I look at these stories and I know that sometimes in, in our lives that, man, the disaster comes, and what do you cry? You're crying, and you're calling out to your friends. You're calling out to family. You're putting it on Facebook. Man, sometimes we turn back and go backwards. We go back to smoking and drugs uh, or habits or addictions. Sometimes we, we turn to TV and, and, and just kind of want to escape. We cut off relationships. We check out a ministry. We turn everything off, and we just got to just be alone because we can't even process life. And sometimes we respond the other way. Man, we are impatient and angry. We kick the dog or something because, man, I'm in a storm. And that's our response uh, to our cry. That's our cry, how it comes out of us. I look at that first example in Luke. Man, they think about it this way. They knew Jesus was in the boat. He's in the boat, but how did they cry? They cried out in fear. Master, master, aren't you concerned? Save us, we're perishing I look at that and I say, well, at least they did cry out to him. But Jesus says, you're crying out in fear, not faith. Where's your faith? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know there's a purpose in this? You know, sometimes we believe in God, but we don't have the faith that he cares. You're in a situation and you believe in God. You say, Pastor, yeah, I'm a Christian, but this problem, this relationship with my dad or my mom, this, this situation at work or this thing with my finances or this thing with my health, God, I I believe in you. I'm a Christian. I believe there's a Jesus, there's a God, there's a cross, there's a heaven, and there's a hell. I got the doctrine stuff down. But Jesus is saying, yeah, 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 but but where's your faith? You can believe all the right doctrine and still be shaken to the core. He's saying, you're calling out to me, but you're not crying out in faith. You're crying out in fear. 
worried, stressed, anxiety, overcome, overwhelmed, shaken to the core. This thing has not just affected you physically. You're not just physically wet in the boat. You're not just physically reeling back and forth, but it's overcome your mental uh, peace. It's overcome your spiritual peace. And yeah, you cried out to God, but you're not crying out in faith. You're crying out in fear. And look at the next time it happens. This time, Jesus isn't even in the boat. He leaves him alone. Don't you love how God does that sometimes? Like, Okay, hey, he helped me out the little time, and then now another problem happens. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I feel really alone right now. I'm about to handle this situation, and I don't sense God. I don't feel like I can go to church. I don't feel like I can read my Bible. I don't feel like I can pray. I don't sense any faith coming up inside of me. And they're in the middle of a storm, and this time he's not even there. So they begin to freak out, and it gets so dark that when Jesus shows up, they don't even recognize him. You know, it can get so dark in your life. You can be so tossed to and fro that when Jesus shows up, man, he's only 20 feet in front of you and you don't even realize it. He's right there and you don't even know it. And it would cause them to reel in faith. And they didn't cry out to God in this moment, but they cried out to each other in fear. I don't even, can't even pray. God, I just, all I can do is talk to somebody about my problems. I just want to, I just want to tell somebody about my problems. And, and we're not praying about it. We're not quoting scripture about it. We're, we're not even going to God about it. We're just overcoming. And Jesus is just right there, just 20 feet away. And it takes somebody like Peter to say, I, that's Jesus. And it wasn't until the moment where the, those guys, those uh, 11 other disciples saw Peter's faith enough to jump out of the boat. And even though Peter doubted, he had faith enough to say, Lord, I sink or Lord, save me. And it was Peter's faith that brought Jesus back into the boat until they saw that faith and they recognized through faith that it was him. As soon as that happened, they invited Jesus back into the boat. It was calm and they were at their destination. You see, it's a cry of faith that God is looking for from his people. It's not just a simple cry. It's a cry of faith. When my daughters uh, uh, hurt themselves or get injured, it's not that they just cry. That does happen. But when they want mom and dad, they know mom and dad hear their cry and will come and answer it. You see, it's a cry of expectation. It's a cry of longing. It's a cry of intimacy. It's a cry of help to a mom, a good father who knows. I know if I cry, he hears me. David said the same thing. He said, when I was distressed, I cried out to the Lord and his ears heard me from his temple, from his dwelling place, his tabernacle, and they came to him. It's the cry of faith that makes this passage unique. Are we crying faith in chaos? Because that cry is that lifting up. As the waves have gotten high and the waves have brought me down, what I do is I lift a cry of faith higher than the waves. You see, a little, 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 little cry is just going to get you a little further. But if that wave, if that wave is as tall as the Sears Tower or it's as tall as a building, right? I need to lift a cry higher in faith than the waves. That's, it's not just a Lord, save me, help me, I'm fearful or we're going to die. It's a, no, God, I trust, Lord, you have the power to save it. You think, well, I'm not perfect. Neither was Peter. Peter doubted. But when he prayed, Lord, save me, I'm sinking, what did Jesus do? Even in his doubt, he had faith enough to believe Jesus was able to save him. He reached down and grabbed him. So this morning... It's okay to cry, but are we crying with a cry that says, God, I know you hear me 
in our able. I know what, I love what one author says. They say, we do not cry out as customers, but as God's children. Don't cry out as a customer. Cry out as a child of God. What does Romans say? Romans says that we don't have a spirit of fear or slavery. We have this spirit of adoption that we can cry out, Father, Father, because the Holy Spirit has identified in our hearts that we are the children of God. So when we cry out to God, it's a belief thing. It's a faith thing. Listen to me, church. Sometimes we're just whining. Sometimes we're just complaining. But faith says, I know God hears my cry. I know God will answer my cry. I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know he will. Somebody say amen. That's the faith part. That's what you and I must have different than the people in this world. Because let me tell you something. This world is being shaken to the core. People are losing jobs. They're losing relationships. They're losing homes. They're losing all types of things. They're losing their kids to drugs and alcohol and sex. They're losing all these things. And there's a whole world of people crying out. But the ones who are getting answers from God are the ones who are crying out, Yes, God, I have faith that your word is true no matter if the waves keep coming. I know that God hears me because there's a spirit that identifies within me. I am a child of God. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what the waves say. I don't care what the storm of life is. I'm crying out in faith to a good father. He heard me. I don't care. You, it's a roar, Pastor Heath. There's wind and waves and there's noise. And who could ever hear you? And my God hears me. I don't care if the world hears me. I don't care if the situation seems so loud that it's all I can do is hear myself think. I can cry out. I know my God heard my cry. I believe it. And I'm going to confess that. And I'm not going to listen to everything else. So it's a cry of faith. And look how he brings it home. He says he got them to a desired haven. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad because they were quieted. So he guided them to the desire haven. You know, God has dominion. He can still calm the chaos in your life. He can turn the noise into a whisper. And he can lead you to new horizons. And I love what Psalm 61 uh, verse 1 and 2 says. Hear my cry, O God, give heed to my prayer. From the end of the earth I called to you. See how far away they were? I was at the end of the earth. And I called to you when my heart was faint. It was really hard for me to even get out of prayer today, God. It was really hard for me to even get out of song of worship today, God. It was hard for me even to get out of bed today, God. I feel so distant from you. To the ends of the earth, God, I am at the very wit's end. So far from anyone, so hopeless, so down, so out, so overwhelmed. But when I cried to the Lord, I said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know what they were doing right then? God, this wave is pretty big, but my rock is higher. Lead me to the rock that is higher than the waves. It's like that lighthouse that you see those waves crashing on that lighthouse. And that lighthouse is just still standing there. And it is a, a desired harbor. The wind and the waves. Man, you've seen those lighthouses that made that wave just almost goes over the entire lighthouse. But it just stays the course. It's still shining. It's still the rock. And no matter what you're going through today, sometimes we are so focused on great waters and where I thought I was going to go and what I thought I was going to do and how I thought life was going to be. God is not focused on the great waters. He's focused on a great 
harbor. He's focused on that destination, that desired harbor. Where's that harbor? It's at the rock, Jesus Christ. It's that dwelling place of God. And ultimately for you and I, it's going to be the same destination. It's a great harbor called heaven. Heaven's place, a dwelling place. And so what do you do in the process of life? Focus on the destination. Your process is going to be a lot different. Waves and wind come, but the end destination is going to be the same. If you lift up Jesus, lift Him up higher than the waves. Acts 27, Paul is in this place, and he knows, man, this is not my fault. They're throwing cargo stuff over, and in the midst of a hopeless place when desperate men, faithless men, Paul stands there, they're getting wet, they hadn't eaten in days, it's completely pitch black outside. Paul takes some food, and he breaks it in the middle. I'm talking the boats rock and seas are cap seven. People are thinking, we're all going to die. Paul goes into the, the pantry, gets some food, and says, men, the Lord told me not one person would perish. The Lord told me it's going to be a shipwreck, but we're all going to get there. And he lifted up the food, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he ate. And the Bible says those men were encouraged in the midst of darkness because a man had faith to believe something was bigger than the waves. As Paul lifted up Jesus, the Bible says that they looked and they saw land. So they cut the anchors loose. They headed for land. But guess what happened? They hit the reef. And as they pounded into the reef, the Bible says the waves kept coming and it began to break the boat apart. And the boat began to literally split. And the soldiers thought, man, we're going to need to kill these prisoners because if they get out, it's our head. So they thought about killing them. But God in his sovereignty put it on their hearts to let them go. And so some men began to jump and swim. And those who could not swim took pieces of the ship, planks, and they all floated in to their desired destination. They got to land. And I heard a pastor just recently say this. God can get you there on broken pieces. I don't know how you planned on getting there to that desired haven. Sometimes Jesus is in the boat, and all you do is you wake him up, and boom, he says a word, and the storm's calm. Sometimes in your life, it doesn't feel like Jesus is there at all. And you cry out in faith, and it's just that moment where you would allow God to get you there And finally, I say, yes, God, I believe he's in the boat. And finally, all of a sudden, you're just miraculously at your destination. Sometimes you've got to row the rest of the way, but sometimes he takes you there. And then sometimes the ship actually does fall apart. But guess what? He can get you there even on broken pieces. He can get you there when it seems like there's no way, God, this is going to work out. God, this whole situation is falling apart. My body, my life, my money, my relationships, my finances. I don't care what the storm is. I don't care how it happens. God will get you to a safe haven. That's his promise. That's his goodness. You will get home if you lift up Jesus. Somebody say amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and this is the last part of the verse. Look what happens there. It says that at the end of it all, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness, for His wonders to the Son of Man. Let them lift Him up in the congregation of the people. Let them lift Him up or praise Him in the seat of the elders. Our response today is how it always was at the very beginning. It says, This part, this this whole storm, 
is for. Now, no matter whose fault, your fault, somebody else's fault, or maybe God sent you here, it is all for the glory of God. God's going to get the glory out of every situation if you would just lift up the name of Jesus. He says there's going to be a people that are going to go through storms of life, and they're going to come back to the church house before the congregation, before the elders. They're going to come through a storm of life, and they're going to have a testimony. And the next generation is going to hear about the goodness of God through your testimony, through your praise, because you lifted up the name of Jesus. When the, when the waves got high, your testimony, your faith got higher. You lifted God up. God stood in the middle of the waves. He lifted himself up. And even though you were down and shaken to the core, lift up Jesus. And then God makes a hush over the noise. He calms the storm. He gets you there, whether it's miraculously in a moment's notice, where he had it, whether he has you row there on your own, or whether he gets you there on broken pieces. He will get you there. If you will just lift up Jesus, man, your life is going to be a testimony for someone. It's all to pass it on to your children, to your grandchildren, to people in the church house that, man, God still calms the storm. God's still able to hush the sea. Lift up Jesus. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Where are you at today? Where is your faith? Where's your faith?